Hey everyone, welcome to this week's episode of the BizCast. I'm Shannon King. So before we start, I'd like to invite you to CBIA's annual meeting next week on November 19th. We're streaming the event live online and we'll be joined by special guest Rebecca Lobo, former UConn basketball superstar and current ESPN basketball analyst. After such an extraordinary year for all of us, I'm personally looking forward to kicking back and talking some hoops. To find tickets to the event, visit cbia.com and click on the events tab. Now, on to the episode. A few days ago, I talked to John Houston, CEO of Arvinus, located in New Haven. They are a clinical stage biopharmaceutical company focused on developing new therapeutics for cancers and other diseases. John told me about the history and work of Arvinus. He also discusses their leadership in targeted protein degradation, a treatment for prostate and breast cancer, and potentially neurodegenerative diseases such as Alzheimer's and Parkinson's. John has worked around the world in biology and pharmaceuticals, but as you'll hear, he's extremely bullish about the workforce talent and quality of life here in Connecticut. As we talked about in past episodes, New Haven has become a hub in its own right for the bioscience community in the Northeast. As always, if you like this episode, please rate, review, share, and subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. And if you have a story to tell about your business or an important business issue to you, shoot me an email or find me on LinkedIn. And with that, here's my conversation with John Houston. Okay, John, so thank you so much for joining me this morning. So just to start, can you talk about the history of Arvinus, um, how long it's been a company, how many employees you have, uh, are there any other locations? Because I know that it is based in New Haven. So just tell me a little bit about the company. Yeah, great uh, getting a chance to talk to you. Um, the company was founded in 2013 uh, on the back of uh, great scientific work by Professor Craig Cruz at Yale University. And um, at that time, uh, Craig had come off the back of a very successful um, initial company uh, that was based in uh, California. And the one focus he wanted to make sure was that when he did, if he ever did another company, it would be Connecticut based and ideally pretty close to his labs. And that's exactly what he did. He set up the labs um, at Science Park, uh, just a very small walk from his Yale labs and uh, recruited the first uh, three or four people to get the company going. And since 2013, it's gone from strength to strength. So we're up at uh, just over 170 staff now, and we are based all in New Haven at Science Park. We've, we've spread out quite a bit at Science Park from those uh, very uh, small beginnings where we were just in one lab. We're now in multiple floors and uh, two buildings now in Science Park. So the, the growth has been fairly aggressive. And even during this uh, terrible pandemic, we've been able to hire another 30, 40 people. Um, so we've uh, continued to recruit. Uh, we've continued to have uh, lab work uh, ongoing. Um, but yeah, it's been great to be based here in New Haven in Connecticut. A lot of our staff uh, lived and worked previously in Connecticut, working for big biotech companies and big pharma, pharma companies. But we are now pulling staff in from uh, areas outside of Connecticut as people get excited about the concept of our Venus and protein degradation. That That is really great to hear um, that it is completely based in Connecticut um, and people are coming to Connecticut to the area to work at our Venice. So I, I love to hear that. Um, 
So maybe just to hear a little bit more about you. So tell me about your career and your background in the pharmaceutical industry and in biology um, and talk about your journey to Arvinus. Yeah, uh, hopefully it won't be too boring for people, but um, <laughs> certainly I, I started, you could probably tell from my accent in Scotland where I did my degree, uh, I did my PhD there. Uh, so I went from Glasgow to Edinburgh to do my PhD, then I went back to Glasgow and for any, anybody who knows Scotland, that's a, that's a big deal going from Glasgow to Edinburgh and back again. Um, but as I spent my formative years uh, becoming a scientist in infectious diseases um, through that period of time. And then my first journey into industry was joining Glaxo, uh, as it was known then, Glaxo down in London. And I joined the infectious disease uh, unit down there. And for me, that was an incredibly exciting journey to, to be able to translate everything I'd learned in academia and put into a setting where they were trying to find drugs that were curing and helping to manage uh, infectious diseases. So my first uh, few years at Glaxo was doing that. And then um, they started um, working on higher throughput biology techniques. Because in those days, I was going back a bit, um, a lot of the biology was done in fairly laborious ways. Uh, they're still effective, but very laborious. And you couldn't really do things in parallel or in very high throughput. And they were very interested in working on technologies that could allow you to do that. So miniaturize assays, automate them. And I was fascinated by it. So I joined one of the units as a leader to, to get some of the first automated miniaturized biology assays up going in Glaxo. And then spent the next uh, seven years of my life at Glaxo doing that in a very, very big way, both in the, the London uh, offices, but then also globally for, for Glaxo. Of course, Glaxo, but by the end of that, I turned into Glaxo Welcome. Um, and so that was, that was a fascinating uh, uh, period of my career there, understanding how innovation technology can impact uh, drug discovery and research and allow us to do things in a much um, higher throughput and more facile way. And, and it got the attention of various other companies, including one being Bristol-Myers Squibb. And uh, so I was headhunted into Bristol-Myers in Connecticut uh, initially to do something similar, which is, can you do what you were doing at Glaxo, but do it here, but do it in a much grander scale. And, 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 and that's what happened. I, I came over, I was able to build a fantastic team uh, up in the Connecticut Wallingford site, uh, fully automated uh, suites for biology. Um, and, and then my role grew from there, uh, taking on accountability for not only all the technology related to high throughput biology, but also genomics and crystallography and other other groups. So I, there was a significant applied biotechnology grouping there. It wasn't just Wallingford then as well, it was multiple sites. And then uh, as a few years progressed, I was also asked to take over the, the, the biology therapeutic areas uh, there. So I took on the, the neuroscience group, which was um, very interesting for me, not being a neuroscientist, but also the infectious diseases group, which was fine because that was my background. Um, and then towards the end of my time at BMS, I was in charge of all disease uh, science uh, in, the, in the discovery units for biology, um, as well as the technology team. So uh, I was there at BMS for just under 19 years, uh, and that was absolutely fascinating. A great period of time for productivity at uh, the company as well. A lot of great success at Bristol-Myers. Um, but in 2016, I left. Um, and I was, I was really wondering what I wanted to do next, but I knew it wouldn't be in the big pharma setting. And I wanted to try and explore the smaller biotech in a, a smaller setting. And that's when I met Tim Shannon and Craig Cruz. And Tim and Craig persuaded me that 
I should stay in Connecticut because there's a lot of excitement still here. And I, I agree with that. That was an easy sell. Um, but then they told me about Arvinus and the technology platform they had. And I was so excited. I mean, obviously, my whole background at Glaxo and, uh, and BMS had been very technology driven. I used to hear lots of pitches coming to, into the company on technology ideas. But this one was phenomenal. And I really felt that it's uh, uh, such an innovative approach and it could work that I, I immediately thought, this is, this is it for me. I, the, the small company I want to join is going to be Arvinus. So I joined, and I think I was employee number 39 or 40. Um, and that was about uh, just under four years ago. And uh, it's been a fabulous, uh, exciting journey over the last four years. So that's that's quite the background. Um, and you've been all over the world. So um, I'm glad that you uh, found a landing place in Connecticut, of all places. Um, for listeners of ours, and of course for me, who um, do not have a science background at all, explain to us what targeted protein degradation is and how Arvinus is leading the way in this technique of disease treatment. So even if you just want to get down granular, what it actually is and how it um, breaks down the disease. Yeah, so one way to, to understand it is that uh, what we're doing is we're harnessing uh, a cell's natural process. So um, when, when proteins are produced in, in, in all of your cells, they have a, 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 a lifetime uh, in the cell doing what they have to do, be it a receptor or an enzyme. And after that period of time, they have to get broken down because either that function is no, no, no longer needed or there's a mutation that occurs or there's a dysfunction that occurs in the protein. And the cell, each cell has this incredible monitoring system to look at the, 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 the health and the amount of protein in a cell. And that, that whole area is called protein homeostasis. It's balancing the right numbers of proteins in the cell, but it's also a monitoring system. And that monitoring system is called the uh, ubiquitin proteasome system. And what it does is basically, there's a whole array of different proteins, enzymes in the cell that come along doing this monitoring. And if they see a protein that is either dysfunctional or has a mutation or is past its useful lifespan, it tags that protein with another smaller protein called ubiquitin. And if you get four tags of ubiquitin on, your, on the protein, that serves as a signal to be dragged off to a, a, an organelle in the cell called the proteasome. The proteasome is basically the big garbage disposal unit in the cell. All these dysfunctional proteins get dragged off by these enzymes dumped into the proteasome. And the proteasome breaks them down, breaks all the proteins down into peptides and eventually amino acids. They get flushed back into the cell, ready for new protein synthesis. And this is how the cell does its natural process of controlling dysfunctional proteins, breaking them down, reflushing the, the basic ingredients, if you like, back into the cell for further protein synthesis. It's an incredible, highly controlled mechanism that keeps all of our cells healthy and all of our proteins working. Um, so, what Craig did is he, he tried to find a way of hijacking that process. So instead of just allowing the cell to track a protein that's dysfunctional, Craig wanted to get uh, a way of making a molecule that could bind to one of these tracking ligases, as they're called, a ligase, bring it into close proximity to a protein that he wanted to have degraded and have that dragged off to the garbage disposal unit. And he actually did it. He managed to design these molecules that are, they're heterobifunctional. In other words, there's two components to them. 
one end of the molecule binds to the target, the protein that you want to get rid of. The other end of the molecule binds to the ligase or you, part of the ubiquitin system that you want to bring in. And literally, the molecule just brings these two proteins into close proximity. And when that close proximity happens, the ubiquitins get transferred to the protein that you want to degrade, and it gets dragged off to the garbage disposal unit. So those mole molecules are called protags. And that was the basis of um, the building the, the company on the back of protein degradation. And uh, Craig was the world leader in that space. And, and of course, because the company was founded in 2013, uh, Arvinus is a world leader in that space as well. So for that, wasn't too complicated a, a message. It was basically hijacking a natural cellular system. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Slightly. I'm coming, I'm going back to my uh, high school biology class days, but so um, if I got this correctly, so how do the molecules get into the body? Because those molecules that are attaching to the proteins to um, bind them or bring them together, is that like a, a shot? Is like, how do the molecules get into the human body to then target uh, dysfunctional proteins, the ones that I'm assuming cause disease? Disease, yeah. So, um, well, we've designed them in such a way where, where they're just normal pills. So you just take them as a pill. And so it's, you take them in and it gets distributed through your body. And depending on what you have, and obviously we are focused on oncology uh, particularly, it gets to the tumor cell. It manages to pass through the, the cell surface of the tumor cells into the cells, and then it can attack the specific proteins that we want to attack. What do these developments mean for people that have cancer or uh, other diseases, uh, neurodegenerative diseases? Um, how does this factor into their treatment? And also, um, how... Are the, is this treatment usually for, you know, stage one, even like um, pre-disease stages, or um, it, can this be done successfully later in the disease um, lifespan, uh, even towards the late stages? When is it most effective, have, have you seen? Right. So to answer the first part of that, um, you know, and basically the question is, why is a protein degrader any different from normal compounds that inhibit a specific protein. Because when you get a pill, normally what happens is you're, that, that's going to end that's inhibiting an enzyme or a, or a protein that's causing the problem. Um, whereas our compound goes in and gets rid of the protein. It pushes it into the proteasome and it gets degraded. So it's gone completely. So there's a big difference in terms of mechanism of action. One is degradation, getting rid of the protein. The other is just inhibiting it. So within, in, with the inhibition component, you've got to keep taking pills because the, the compound's got to sit on, the, that, on that protein and block its bad actions. Whereas with our uh, compounds, it just gets rid of the protein. So that's a big differential. And what we're finding when the studies were done with Craig and the team early on, that our compounds also look different in terms of their actions. So when, when you have inhibitors, it can sometimes eventually lead to resistance. So the protein finds a way of um, not reacting to the inhibitor and becomes resistant. And in the clinic, that you see that quite a bit. You'll see people becoming resistant to the therapy. Preclinically, we found that uh, Protax um, actually can deal with those resistant forms of uh, protein. So we can actually still degrade them. Uh, so that's a big advantage. And our first two trials uh, in the clinic, one for uh, um, prostate cancer, which is an androgen receptor degrader, and one for breast cancer, uh, which is an estrogen receptor degrader, those are targeting 
specific mutations uh, in um, that are, are being caused by the, the, the therapies that the, the patients have already been having. And degraders work, seem to work in that setting. So we're very excited by the fact that, and, and talking about the, which, which stage, right now we're in very late stage patients. In the prostate cancer trial, these patients are, have had maybe on average six previous therapies, uh, lots of resistance to those drugs, and our protacs are in that setting and they're working. And similarly with the, the breast cancer patients. Now, the idea is, in those trials, you show safety. Uh, initially, you, you're hoping to see some signs of efficacy in a phase one trial, um, but then you move up, ideally, the, the treatment paradigm so you can get it to, it to earlier patients once you've defined your safety profile and you can show efficacy. And that's the game plan. Uh, we're still in phase one with both compounds. The idea is to transition into phase two. We explore more patients, get a better understanding of safety and efficacy and move it forward that way. So yeah, that was another question that popped in my head. So you guys are in phase one with this kind of treatment. Um, is there uh, the hope or the pro the thought process to expand this um, to other diseases, or did you just get started with um, pancreatic cancer and breast cancer um, because of uh, the particular types of proteins that are um, that are targeted for those diseases? Yeah, it's, it's prostate cancer and breast cancer. We, we, we would love to work in pancreatic cancer eventually, but the first two were prostate cancer, metastatic prostate cancer and metastatic breast cancer. Yes, those were the first two that the team worked on. There was a lot of good biology known about both the antigen receptor, which causes uh, prostate cancer and the estrogen receptor, which is, certainly is a big driver in, in breast cancer. So we knew that that would be a significant area for us to prove that the concept of protax and protein degradation. But we have a whole um, significant pipeline behind that, working in different uh, um, oncology indications. And then above and beyond that, we also uh, have a growing neuroscience pipeline as well. Um, and and that, that's targeting clearly neurodegenerative uh, diseases particularly. Wow. And we're looking at ways of trying to uh, work on Alzheimer's and Parkinson's and uh, Huntington's disease. So there's, there's no limitation in terms of disease uh, that Protax could be deployed in. Uh, all you have to have is a protein that you can drag off to a prosome. So it has to be an intracellular target, not an extracellular target. Extracellular targets are largely the targets of antibodies. So um, uh, yeah, we, we're now moving into different disease areas. We even moved recently in a, in a partnership with Bayer into the agrochemical space. Uh, we created a joint company called EarthBio which is focused on using the exact same technology, protein degradation in plants and maybe insects. So it really is a ubiquitous uh, methodology. Last question I had for you, and you talked about this at the beginning, but we'll circle back around. Um, Arvinus is located in New Haven, um, which has been called a biotech hub in the Northeast. Um, and you also currently partner with other uh, Connecticut-based uh, bioscience companies. Pfizer is one of them. Um, so what is so great about doing work, um, the work that Arvinus does, doing it in Connecticut? Um, what benefits does Connecticut have as an employer, but also as a company, as a leader in the bioscience industry that just maybe isn't possible in other states or even other countries? Well, I mean, Connecticut um, has got a great uh, pharma and biotech and academic base with some great universities here and you know, obviously with Yale right on our doorstep. Uh, we do have big companies like Pfizer, where they're basically headquartered from their R&D point of view in Connecticut. You've got Boehringer Ingelheim, you've got Alexion. 
And you have this whole host of small biotech companies that have grown, uh, and some of them are quite significant, like Biohaven. Um, you've also got um, GSK's research uh, group, which is the virology team called Vive, which is a, a separate company. They're based in Brantford, Connecticut. Um, and, and, you, and you look at the trace, the history of a lot of these companies, a lot of them are scientists who came from the big pharma companies like BMS or Pfizer. And the people have stayed in Connecticut because they love living here. And now they've helped to create this really significant um, base for biotech and big pharma. First of all, it's great to be able to, to have all the scientists here because it allows new companies to start up. You get experienced people almost right away. And that was the experience for Avinas. We pulled in highly experienced scientists into the labs from Big Pharma immediately. We've got great leaders from those companies that wanted to stay in Connecticut. Um, and, and Connecticut is a great place for people to, to live and work as well in general. Um, you do have the big cities right on your doorstep, but you're not in them. Uh, you've got the surrounding area, which is uh, really nice. So people like living in Connecticut. Um, and it, and as, as increasingly they see wow. that the biotech industry is growing, people are less worried about joining a company here. Then if, it, if something bad happens and the company disappears or they lose their job, what will I do? Do I have to leave the state? And in reality, what's happening is people are able to stay in the state. They're able to move from one company to another. And that's really a big attraction of what you see in Cambridge or in San Francisco. People say, well, I lost my job on Friday. But when went across the road and started my new job on Monday. Now, we're not quite at that stage, but there's a lot of companies and options now in, in New Haven and the greater New Haven area and Connecticut in general. So it's a, I think it's a very exciting stage for both Connecticut and for the industry. Yeah. So uh, what came to my mind when you were talking about that is really the quality of the workforce talent. Is, it, was that, is that the biggest um, benefit that Connecticut has, you would say? Oh, huge. I mean, again, BMS was here for years. That buyer was here for years. Uh, a lot of the staff, when the companies left, they stayed in Connecticut. Uh, they didn't move, they stayed. Of course, you still got Pfizer and Boringer. So, so yeah, the quality, the experience of the, the research base here is huge. And it's a big, big advantage for a relatively small state. Well, I wish you the best of luck with all of these trials and uh, with your development. Um, this is really, really cool stuff. So thank you so much for <laughs> breaking it down for us. Thank you for joining me, John. It was a pleasure. Thanks, Shannon. I appreciate it. For the latest Connecticut business news, events, and resources, visit CBIA.com. Follow us on Twitter at CBIA News and on LinkedIn and Facebook. Call us anytime at 860-244-1900. Stay safe out there.